right, let's turn to the final part of today's show. Uh, we like to end uh, the week with something good and something positive. So on today's Radio for Good, let's hear about how a group of local students started a neurodiversity club with um, coffee-making classes uh, for students as well. And uh, we'll be chatting with students Ava Chan, Martin Poon, Jasper Wong, and also coffee barista Alex Collier, along with Sarinda Punja, who's the executive director of the Nesbitt Centre, which is a local charity that provides a range of vocational training for people with Down syndrome, autism, and also learning disabilities. So let's cross over to an interview I did earlier last week. I'm here in Cafe 8, which is just on the roof of the Hong Kong Maritime Museum, and we're just about to chat to a group of change makers. Let me just go through their names. We've got Ava Chan, Martin Poon, Alex Collier, Jasper Wong, and of course, the one and the only Sarinda, who's the executive director of the Nesbit Center. Now, during the pandemic, the Nest Cafe shop was underutilized. Well, actually, maybe I'll pass on over to Sarinda, who'll well, tell us a little <clears throat> bit more. Well, thank you, Noreen, very much. We've been running the Nest at St. John's Cathedral for nearly 10 years. And it's a very, very popular shop, uh, coffee shop with the, the business leaders of Hong Kong. But at the weekends, we do not open because basically all the corporates, uh, you know, are not operating on that day. So we thought, you know, this is a resource in our community which shouldn't go to waste. It should be used. In 2018, we started working with Cancer Concern uh, organization doing coffee classes for young y- young people who had j- just gone through cancer remission then unfortunately what happened COVID hit and we stopped that this is where the good news begins uh, we got in touch with uh, 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 Vivian Chan whose daughter goes to the Canadian International School Ava had this wonderful idea of setting up a, a neurodiverse club and I think I should then now leave it to Ava to lead that story. And I think you've just given the cue very well. Thank you so much, Surrender. So we have Ava Chan, uh, who is the founder of the Neurodiverse Club. Ava, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so tell us a little bit uh, more about the Neurodiverse Club. Uh, so the Neurodiversity Club, we actually started um, when COVID, in the middle of COVID. And my brother, he actually has autism. And that was kind of like a seed that prompted my passion for advocating for neurodiversity and learning about the importance of inclusion. And so we were all in grade eight. Um, it was COVID. And I think the confinement of being in our homes, it, I think it gave us all a little bit of anxiety and of course boredom and I really just wanted to do something with my passion and take action so I um, talked to Martin I was like what do you think about starting a club for autism awareness Um, and I think Jasper here he actually helped us talk to um, our school principal and we like wanted to start this autism awareness club and we got some support from our friends as well and that's kind of how it began. And this is so timely because uh, we're just coming up towards April, which is Autism Awareness Month. So um, how important is inclusion? I mean, do you see much of it in, in, in schools or are people sort of a bit segregated Or and when it comes to understanding towards uh, neurodiversity? I think when it comes to inclusion in general, there's definitely a lot of diversity in terms of like race um, and appreciation of different cultures um, and of course like genders, gender awareness. But I think when it comes to neurodiversity, it's definitely a topic that's left understood and talked about. Um, And 
of course, like in our school, there are like learning accommodations, but I think just like the structure of most schools, it's something that is less um, talked about, I guess. Um, but I think starting the club in grade eight and really getting our peers around us to start understanding what neurodiversity is, what are the different conditions like autism, ADHD, um, dyslexia, I think this is actually we originally started with autism awareness, but we wanted to shed light on the other conditions, which is how we kind of evolved into becoming the Neurodiversity Club. Um, it sounds much more <laughs> inclusive already. Yeah, yeah and I think uh, through different events, which I think Martin um, is going to talk about later, that we do in school to educate our community, I think just making sure that our cohort, the cohorts around us, them really gaining an understanding of neurodiversity and how to cater to their needs and really allow them to show their talents will definitely help the future because it's our cohorts, the cohorts around us who are going to be the future entrepreneurs, employers, and leaders. And if right now um, in high school, starting in high school, they really get a grasp of like, oh, there's the, an SEN community, there's a neurodiverse community, they can help us in work and like... It, create new innovations then in the future maybe it would lead to more employment just as like the Nesbitt Center already does and like employ SEN individuals and provide so many opportunities for them. Such a great vision isn't it? Yes well let's let's bring Martin into this discussion as well. Martin thank you so much for, for joining us uh, today. Uh, so what sorts of uh, outreach work what sorts of activities do you sort of plan in your neurodiversity club then? So right so during the pandemic obviously we couldn't really volunteer or go outside so we kind of started with interviewing different people with these conditions so an, an example would be uh, actually our teacher advisor uh, Mr. Arnold's uh, friend and he was actually a uh, diagnosed with autism and we we're able to get to know him and get to know about how he's able to adapt in different situations with his condition right and then after that we started evolving so starting from uh, interviews we went into uh, well, uh, so uh, actually reaching out to other grades from our school, right? We started within our club interviewing people and getting to educate our own members, and then we started to reach out to lower school, upper school, and really have assemblies and educating our school about these conditions. And then after that, we were able to partner with the Netsmit Center and uh, have regular volunteering sessions and have our club members to actually get to know people with these conditions and get to interact with them and finally we just finished our barista program which is uh, having uh, Alex here teach uh, these people with these conditions how to make coffee and really maybe spark an interest or help them uh, gain more knowledge on uh, how to be a barista and possibly even getting an employment opportunity for them as well. Yeah, well, um, how easy or how, what were some of the challenges to, to uh, create these sorts of workshops during the pandemic? How were you able to reach out to people in different grades? Yeah, I feel like the biggest challenge is definitely uh, reaching out to people and getting people to know about our club and what we're doing. So we set up some social media platforms such as Instagram or uh, even contacting our upper school uh, daily. We have a 
uh, kind of like an email system where they'll be able to get information about our school every week. And we were able to contact school admins and really spread out our club and what we strive to achieve and really spread out our message to the whole school and even other communities outside of our school through social media. Okay, excellent, Martin. Well, Ava, so how did you then first get in touch with um, the Nesbitt Center um, about these coffee uh, classes? Um, well, actually, I think because um, before we partnered with the Nesbitt Center, we were um, working with the Harbor School, um, and we participated in their Diversity, Equality, Inclusion Week. Um, this was actually during online, so we did a few presentations online to their um, middle school and high school students. Um, and I think talking to some of the parents from the Harbor School, um, we were able to be introduced to Surrender and really understand what the Nesbitt Center does. And I think it was... A really interesting it was really interesting for me because I haven't really been exposed to like much of the SEN community especially during COVID because of course we had to stay at home um, so there wasn't much like gathering like friends and family gathering. what was your impression like when you were then exposed to you know more SEN people I was really excited actually yeah, <laughs> yeah because um, I think it's um, it's not very often that SEN individuals really get the experiences um, to explore different passions, I guess. Um, and also we grew up in a community or a society where a lot of the times people um, with uh, special education needs are not really sometimes involved with work and, and the parents sort of put, hide them away. But it's so lovely to be in a community where, you know, um, everyone... This is live radio for you. <laughs> um, to be able to, to be surrounded by that. So I'm sure that experience was electrifying for you as well. Yeah, and I think also um, within the SEN community coming out of COVID, I've also seen that there's like these groups, there's soccer groups, there's like bowling groups. What? And it's it just, it makes me really happy because um, I know that like me, I'm neurotypical and like I get to have like all these different experiences like or possibly like internships um, that I get to be exposed to. And I think especially coming from an IB school, we really get to understand the importance of exploring different passions in order to know what we want to pursue in the future. And I think SEN individuals, they definitely deserve the same, which is why um, the Nesbitt Center, it's so great that they're providing these different employment opportunities. And also um, some of the workshops they do at their center, the daily um, volunteering activities. Um, yeah, if do you want to speak about it? Yeah, Sarinda. <laughs> sure. Yes, we, I mean, Ava, thank you. Um, yes, we, we've just started, uh, very, very briefly, we've just started a new project because what we're trying to do is look, not all our learners can work in coffee shops. So we don't want to marginalize any learner. So we also have something that's just started by some of our staff, in particular in a, uh, called Craftable. And we, we are, some of our learners make candles and coasters. And we've actually held many workshops at Cafe 8. We work with schools, we work with corporates, we invite banks to come in who make candles and our uh, guys with disabilities actually teach the bankers and the lawyers and to make these candles. So I think, you know, work, you know, takes on a huge, a, a huge spectrum, you know, and trying to get people involved is what matters the most, yeah. 
Well said, well said, Surrender. Well, speaking of getting people involved, let's get Alex involved, who I, I, I believe some of our listeners may remember Alex Collier. We had him on talking about uh, becoming a, a barista, and now he's actually a teacher and uh, teaching people how to make coffee. So, Alex, what was your involvement in all of this? How did Ava then approach you to start um, teaching people with neurodiversity to make coffee? Uh, yeah, thank, well, thank you again, Noreen, for yeah, bringing me up yeah, on the interview once more. So, yeah, I think yeah, so. I think yeah, how it all yeah, just yeah, how it all began really. You know, it was yeah, I mean, it was during like it was during like you know, yeah, during yeah, recession, you know, with the pandemic. You know, yeah, like you know when yeah, so yeah, when Ava actually yeah, when Ava you know came in with her group, you know. Like that actually did, you know, that was like a spark, you know, and yeah, and it was a great, yeah, it was like a great opportunity, you know, yeah, to, um, yeah, just to actually, you know, yeah, yeah, not just do it, yeah, not just to express, you know, you know, like the uh, the work that I do, but rather, you know, share, yeah, share, to share your knowledge, yeah, yeah, share the skills and the knowledge that I've accumulated, you know, in the past couple of years. Yeah, and um, talk us through the process. What sorts of things did you teach them in the classes? Yeah, just pretty much, you know, the history, the arts of coffee, and also, yeah, and also, yeah, make, yeah making the coffee as well. Yeah, so, yeah, step by step, you know, yeah, tasting espresso and, all, and, yeah, and milk frothing. That's really difficult. And what were some of the reactions from some of the participants? Were they able to follow your instructions or did anything funny happen? <laughs> Well, I actually did. Yeah, you know, I actually did. You know, come up with my own. Yeah, with my own comedy. Well, <laughs> yeah, in context of the lessons. Yeah, they actually were. You know, understandable. You know, and were eager learners. And yeah, and basically just yeah, explain to them. You know, just the simple tasks. You know, of yeah, making a coffee. And yeah, and just yeah, yeah, just overall. You know, letting yeah, just lending it all out of their hearts. You know, into making one. Yeah. Um, finally, Alex, what sorts of skills or qualities would make a, a good barista? Do you have to be quite patient when you're when you're making coffee? I mean, what sorts of skills uh, does it take to become a good uh, barista? Well, patience, you know, is one of them. You know, yeah, as you said, but it also, yeah, but I also feel, you know, it takes a lot of, you know, love, yeah, care and passion into making one. Yeah, and yeah, and a lot of soul. Yeah, so yeah, not just yeah, not just in making the coffee, but also you know, yeah, tasting the espresso, and uh, and also yeah, um, frothing the milk, and just you know, and yeah, and executing it, you know, yeah, like, yeah, into art. So I, coffee making just you know isn't just you know work, but you know it's also some yeah, it's also got art in it as well, and you know. Yeah, and when it comes to espresso, you know, you don't just, yeah, I mean, you don't just drink it, you know, you taste it as well. So there's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more to espresso and coffee than you think. And just, yeah, and, you know, as our slogan goes, yeah, it's more than a cup. Oh, I like that a lot. Thank you so much, Alex. And you're right, I can hear the passion. It's not just pressing a button because when you, it's true, when you taste a nice cup of coffee, you really feel like the love and the care that the barista has gone to, to make you that cup of coffee and no coffee tastes the same I have to say like it really depends on like how much milk and how much of the coffee beans yeah. that's being used yeah, yeah. It's, it's part yeah it's, yeah it's part of the job yeah and it's and it's a real art form also I'm also waiting very patiently is Jasper who's also part of the neurodiversity club so Jasper what's your involvement with all of this then 
Okay, so I first uh, came in contact with the club in grade eight uh, with them. I helped them sort out a bit of their uh, new new uh, startup kind of their administrative tasks, a, a lot of their uh, ten like the technical details. I was involved with that, and then uh, because of COVID, I think it really changed up my schedule. It changed up what I could do, what I couldn't do. Uh, so during that period of time, I wasn't really able to do much for the club, and then now uh, COVID is almost over, uh, and, and I'm back with the new university club with a lot of their initiatives. Uh, I was part of their barista initiative. I was uh, in one of the programs, and I, I'm right now I'm also helping them work with the Nesbitt Center and, and a lot of their initiatives. Yeah, and have you been feeling uh, with with all of this? Are you excited with the new projects? Uh, definitely, yes. I think uh, being inexperienced with the neurodiverse community definitely opened my eyes in a lot of regards. But I think most of all, it, it's not as in my experience or my. Uh, my new learning with them, but it's moreover, it's them, it's them, and it's their, uh, it's their learning, it, it's their life almost, and, and uh, how like we are helping them, and uh, like the the selflessness that comes with it, with uh, viewing these people, viewing their struggles, and and the sense of uh, the sense of us being taking us taking everything for granted is is very very strong when uh, we're when we're looking at them and we're able to really sense and view their struggles and help them through that. That's very rewarding, I think. Yeah, and I think one thing that I take away from this interview is not only are you young people raising awareness, but it's really advocacy work which takes it one step further, and that's important because it's when you advocate for this, then more people can get involved, um, which is amazing. Um, what's the reaction? What's the response been like so far with people in your school um, when they hear about the neurodiversity club um, what, what did they say to you Ava um, well I think getting the opportunity like to be at school in real life um, we've definitely been utilizing every opportunity we get to engage with the school community and I think compared to grade 8 when I mentioned neurodiversity it's like they're like what is that um, but I think even now I, I love talking I think part of my passion is just being able to speak about it and like apply it to any context really um, so I think even now my teachers they're aware of what neurodiversity is <laughs> but, yeah, because yeah. back in the day we, we didn't really talk about it very much or we yeah. didn't, didn't acknowledge it now dare I say is your brother one of the inspirations be behind all of this you mentioned at the beginning of the interview uh, that uh, he has autism uh, what does he make of all of this does he know uh, how much you're doing for this community well, I mean, I do try to share with him some of the initiatives that we are doing, and um, he enjoys like participating in some of them. Actually. Okay, good. So he yeah. does participate in it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, but I think he's definitely helps me like uh, become more exposed to the SEN community, and like I mentioned earlier, kind of like a seed that's prompted my passion to develop um, and actually do my own research and explorations of the neurodiverse community. Yeah. Excellent, and it's great that um, he's able to rope you into this and that you're able to get many of your um, uh, uh, classmates uh, to be a part of this. Well, I continue to uh, look forward to uh, more development with, with the Neurodiversity Club. Please keep us informed. I'm sure our listeners at Radio 3 would love to hear more about your next step. Meanwhile, thank you so much for your time today. And that's uh, Ava Chan, Martin Poon, Jasper Wong, and also Alex Collier, and also Surinder from the Nesbitt Center. Thank you so much. And we're reporting here from Cafe. Hey, thank you very much indeed, everyone. Thank you thank so you. much. <laughs>